Good morning, everyone. I know this is shocking. We're going to do something a little different today. Uh, I'm simply going to invite you to participate wholeheartedly, okay? Wholeheartedly. Um, And as an aside, I know some of you are probably thinking, oh man, there goes Jared again doing something really crazy. But I will have you know that uh, this particular experience that's about to unfold comes to us from the mind of John Bell, Scottish minister and hymn writer who resides in the Iona community and whose name graces the the credits in our hymnal more than a few times. So I'm just going to invite you to allow that distinction to flavor what's about to come, okay? All right, so I'm going to set the stage for our story. Israel was at war. They were fighting against the Philistines. Each side faced the other from a hilltop, one hilltop over here, another hilltop over here, with a valley in between them. This morning, we're going to turn our sanctuary into that battlefield. Who's ready? Ready. Thank you, Nico. I appreciate you. All right. So, all right, those of you on this side, you all are going to be the Philistines, okay? I'm going to call you the Phillies for short, okay? You're the Philistines. Um, And uh, over here on this side, you all are the army of the Israelites, okay? You got it? Philistines, Phillies, Israelites, all right. So each side, well, if anybody's a super big Philadelphia fan over here, you get one chance to move over. (laughs) But I need to tell you, the Phillies are going to lose today. Like, so, you know, there you go. All right, so each side, each side, each army had their own war song, and it was set to the same tune. All right, you ready to learn your war song? Are you ready to learn your war song? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It goes like this. Here we go. 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 You know that tune, right? All right. Let's try that. Here we go, 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 here we go. All right, Phillies, Israelites. No, you won't, 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 no, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. Feel free to, like, point at them when you sing it, okay? All right. Then the Phillies, it's back to you. Yes, we will. 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 Okay. I think you got it. The Phillies are sounding a little stronger in their vocals, though. I just want you to know that, Israel. Okay, I think you can do it. All right. Remember that. You're just going to come back around, okay? All right. The story begins. The Philistines had a champion called Goliath. 
He was nine feet tall. He was covered in armor and was very, very fierce. He used to taunt the Israelites with words like these. Fee, fi, fo, fum. Look out, Israelites, here I come. To this, the Israelite soldiers whispered under their breath, Fee, fo, fum, fi. If he comes close, we all will die. Listen up, Israelites. I am the champion of the Philistines. Why don't you get one man to come and meet me? If he kills me, we will be your slaves. If you kill him, you will be our slaves. Ho, 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 ho. After these words, the Philistines were encouraged to sing even more loudly. Here we go, 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 here we go. No, you won't, 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 no, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. Yes, we will. 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 Well, one day, there arrived in the Israelite camp a boy who was the youngest son of a man called Jesse. A soldier asked him if he had lost his way, and David replied, My father sent me with food for my brothers who are in the army. I've got ten loaves of bread and some cheeses. They're all vegetarians. <laughs> While David was there, Goliath appeared from the enemy ranks and taunted the Israelites once more. Fee-fi-fo-fum! Look out, Israelites! Here I come! This the Israelite soldiers whispered under their breath, Fee, fo, fum, fi. If he comes close, we all will die. When David heard this, he said, Who is this Philistine to defy the army of the living God? If you won't fight him, I will. Well, eventually news of David's willingness to fight reached the ears of King Saul, who sent for him. The king looked at the young boy and said, You are not able to fight Goliath. You're only a boy. But David said, Sir, I am my father's shepherd. Whenever a lion or a bear takes one of my sheep, I go after it and rescue it. I hold a lion by its beard and I beat it senseless. God who has saved me so far from lions and bears will save me from this Philistine. Well, then Saul put on David his own armor and he gave him his own helmet and, and strapped on him his own sword. But David 
could not move in any of that stuff. So David took off all these things, and he picked up his stick, and he took five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then he went out to face the Philistines, who were once again at choir practice. Here we go, here we go, here we go, let me hear you. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go. No, you won't, no, you won't, no, you won't. No, you won't, no, you won't, no, you won't. No, you won't, no, you won't, no, you won't. No, you won't. Yes, we will. 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 Love and energy. All right. Suddenly, Goliath appeared from the lines of the Philistines. Give me a G. G. Give me an O. Give me an L. L. Give me an I. I. Give me an A. A. Give me a T. T. Give me an H. H. What's that spell? Goliath. Oh, yeah? Well, give me a D. Give me an A. Give me a V. Give me an I. Give me a D. What is that spell? Well, Goliath was not amused, and he shouted aloud, Fee, fo, fum, foy, I smell the smell of Jesse's boy. My a dog that you have come out to me with a stick, I am going to give your flesh to the birds. Listen, Buster, the Lord has already given you into my hands. Today I'm going to cut your head off and leave your body for the wild. Whoa, 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 David. You're all right. That's a little intense. It's the word of the Lord. Who am I to change it? All right. Carry on. Whew. The Lord saves without sword or spear. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, then as Goliath moved in, David took a stone, put it in his sling, and fired it at the giant. It caught him in the middle of the head, and he stumbled this way and that way. And all over the place. And he sank to the ground. And he twitched for a bit. Just a little bit longer. And then he died. Then David took Goliath's great sword and... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, you get the picture. You get the picture. The Philistines all fled from the scene, leaving the Jews to sing their new song as loud as they could. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here we go. That's right, sister love right there. 
Believe it or not, friends, this has been the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let us give a hand to Hogan and to Helen for their help. You all can go back to your seat or to Dudley Clay. Stories of workout. Thank you. Monday night, June 27th, 1988. Two men step between the ropes into the ring. Both have a claim to be the heavyweight champion in the world of professional boxing. In the one corner is Michael Spinks, in the other corner, Mike Tyson. Bet you didn't think you'd hear that name in a sermon. The purse for the fight is an unprecedented $20 million. The rollout on pay-per-view is epic. The media coverage thorough. This was to be the fight to end all fights. The buildup was just enormous. The bell rings, and 91 seconds later, Spinks is on the ground knockout. Now let me be clear, that prize fight was no David and Goliath story. Tyson was certainly no scrappy underdog like David, right? But I bring up this boxing story because it was a fight that was over before it had even begun. The story of David and Goliath occupies the entirety of 1 Samuel chapter 17, the author takes 58 verses to tell this story, but the fight itself occupies two of those verses. That's it. The rest is all build up, condescending taunts from Goliath, impassioned speeches from David, hemming and hawing from King Saul of Israel. Now, if Sports Center covered the fight, they'd only show that split second when the stone strikes Goliath between the eyes. But this isn't Sports Center, it's Scripture. And so the fight really isn't what's most important in this story. Perhaps like that 1988 title fight, the real drama is in the buildup rather than in the battle. Two armies encamped against one another the Israelites and the Philistines. Good job, by the way, guys, on this choir practice. The Phillies send in their champion. He's ridiculously large and intimidating. Never a stranger to exaggeration. Scripture tells us he was nine feet tall. That is not true. And every day, King Saul of Israel trembles with fear to send one of his meager fighters to meet this giant of a man. That is, until this soft, young shepherd boy comes, and here's this Philistine giant mocking Israel, and that's when David does something truly remarkable. Yes, he volunteers to fight him. Yes, he inspires courage in his fellow Israelites. Yes, he'll even throw back the smack talk to that playground bully. 
But the most incredible thing that David does is he begins to talk about God. God who had been conspicuously absent and unmentioned in the story thus far. Goliath is armed to the teeth. He's clothed in seemingly impenetrable armor. All Israel is afraid of him. King Saul, who's also known for his great size, might I add, is also afraid of Goliath. And I can't help but wonder that Saul's afraid because he too has always trusted in those very same tools, his size, his swords, his spears. It's just that in Goliath, he's encountered somebody bigger and stronger and more capable of using them than he himself. King Saul and Goliath may be enemies, but they have an understanding. They're both playing the same game, and it's a solo sport. You stand alone, you fight alone, may the best one win. David, on the other hand, is playing an entirely different game. It's a team sport. Because David understands and is convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord fights with him. Goliath trusts in his own might. David trusts in a power that is greater than his own. And it comes through best in their pre-game smack talk. See, Goliath, he sees little old David and he says, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds and the beasts. David answers, You come to me with sword and spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army to the birds and the beasts. You hear it, it's the same exact taunt. Somebody's going to be bird food before the day is over. But whereas Goliath trusts in his own power alone, David speaks about God. It's God that will defeat this giant. David's merely the instrument. Young, untested, not yet battle-hardened David understands what everyone else seems to have forgotten. That when you belong to the Lord, you never fight alone. That's the essence of faith, really. And David alone remembers what it means to have it. Even King Saul of Israel is strangely mute when it comes to his faith in the Lord, even after this remarkably bold young boy stands before him, imploring all Israel to believe in the Lord that has brought them thus far. Saul still can't summon that kind of faith. Saul is still playing that solo sport of trusting in your own strength. And so he hoists upon David all of his armor, all of his weapons, to the point that David, he can't even move and all that stuff. So David sets all that cumbersome weight aside, and he just picks out five smooth stones from the riverbed. It seems absolutely foolish. It seems certain to fail, but with those five stones, a sling, and the presence of the living God... David stands tall in the face of this great threat. 
You know, a week before this past one, I attended Montreat Youth Conference with 10 of our high school students. This past week, there were 26 other students at the Music and Worship Conference. We already mentioned that in the life of the church. When we send our young people to these conferences, you know, we always pray that they are good experiences, good experiences for our students, for the adults that go with them. But honestly, and I hope you'll agree with me in this, I'm hoping it's something more than just a good experience. And if I may, I'd like to kind of shift my voice towards the youngest members of our church family for a moment. There are really big problems in our world. Formidable, fearsome, giant problems. And I wish we only had a single foe, but we could make a very long list. As a nation, we just celebrated Juneteenth this past Monday, the day when the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect. And yet our society is still infected by racism, and it touches all of us. That's a giant problem. And there's climate change, which I know is very much on the minds and hearts of our youngest generation. They're going to inherit a warming planet. And we've got our collective heads in the sand when it comes to finding the balance between our comfort and our care for creation. That's a giant problem. And even right here at home, we talk of our excellent school system, but sometimes that pressure to be the best makes us absolutely ignore or perhaps even suppress the fact that we have some problems. Growing number of students on free and reduced lunch, a high-pressure learning environment that drags too many young people into depression. The list could go on and on and on. You know it. Sometimes it feels like God's faithful stand at the line of battle, and we face a whole army of Goliaths. So yeah, I do hope that our young people are having good experiences at Montreat or Vacation Bible School this week. But I also pray that our young people are also finding their courage to do exactly what David does in this story, to get in the fight, to take on these giants whenever you can, however you can. Don't forget that you have power. You've got at least five smooth stones right there in your hand. You can do something. You really can. And God willing, we'll get in the fight with you. May we be so brave. And I can promise you there will be moments when we, the established church, your elders, we're going to try to tell you how to fight. Just like Saul, we will try to hoist all of our swords and all of our armor on you. And please understand that is love. That's us trying to help. But the fact of the matter is that there will be times in every generation when all of our tools, all of our traditions, all of our organizations and boards and institutions, they're going to seem very cumbersome to you. And you might find it awfully hard to move around in all that tradition. 
and you may decide to lay some of that aside. And that's okay. It might be hard for some of us. Some of us might be awfully attached to the way we've done things before. We might grieve that you don't see the same value in that. But we did stand in your shoes once before. We made our own way. But most of all, I want to ask our young people a favor. I want to ask you to help us remember something very, very important. I want you to remind us to talk about God. That no matter how big or how frightening the challenges might be, that God is always bigger. We need the Davids of this world to remind us that we never fight alone. So I'm going to ask all the young people in this church to be a David and to help us remember that the fight is already over before it's even begun. You know, Desmond Tutu didn't, stop into a, didn't step into a boxing ring. He stepped into a, a pulpit at the Cathedral of St. George. He wasn't broadcasted on pay-per-view, but his words have reached millions. It's during the days of apartheid in South Africa. A massive demonstration had been shut down, and so the archbishop opened the doors of the church. He held a worship service instead. And the heavily armed government police, they stormed into the sanctuary and they lined the walls, tape recorders in hand, pencil and paper in hand. They wanted to write down everything he said. They sought to intimidate him, to shut down any kind of resistance. So in the face of power like that, Dutu did this incredible thing. He talked about God. He turned his attention square to these unexpected and heavily armed guests. And he said, you are powerful. You are very powerful, but you are not gods. And I serve a God that cannot be mocked. So, since you have already lost, I invite you today to come and join the winning side. It may have taken longer than 91 seconds, but he was right. Apartheid did fall. And that's what can happen when we remember to talk about God in the face of even the biggest and the baddest Goliaths. So to all the young people listening, don't let us forget to talk about God. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, don't let us forget. Amen.